morning. So good to be here, isn't it? Isn't Junction Church the best? Love it. So we're all pretty used to having um, our computers or our phones continually downloading and installing new upgrades, upgraded versions of software apps that we're using. Except for mine, because I broke mine yesterday, my phone. <laughs> but typically, we're used to that happening. It's not that it's giving you a whole new piece of software or a whole new app. It's just it's an upgraded, enhanced version, maybe a little bit more user-friendly, maybe something that gives you some new features so that you can enjoy it a lot more. And um, I've been walking with the Lord for 20 years now. And in particular, the last few years, I have been running off of a particular software program um, hearing a particular message that has been profound in my life and beautiful and really, really great. And that is the message that God's love for us is so unconditional, that God loves us so much. But you know what? I've often been challenged with really being able to walk in that truth and really being able to trust in that day in and day out. I mean, of course, when things are going awesome or you've had some kind of miracle in your life, it's easy to believe, but, but what about when the times are kind of difficult? How do we get that into our hearts completely so we can walk in that every moment and all the abundance that that brings? So a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting on my bed spending some time with the Lord, and it was right after I had made a really, really big decision in my life. I would walked through a door. I would taken an opportunity that I feel that the Lord was giving me. He made a lot of things fall into place, and it was a really big decision. But along the way in that decision, I also had to disappoint somebody. And so I was really second-guessing myself. I was actually in this place for this moment where I was filled with fear. And I was actually really worried that despite all that I thought I was doing, that I had actually made a big mistake and that I had let God down. So I'm sitting there in this moment, and I know that I'm needing his love. And it's just not coming in. What is stopping that love? What is stopping you from being in that place of such trust and such rest? And then it happened. And he downloaded and installed an upgraded version for this software program that I've been running for a lot of years. You see... This is what he said to me, and this is what I want to share with you today. He said, Tamara, it's my Russian name. He said, Tamara, I don't just love you. I love to love you. And I heard it for a second. And then my eyes opened to it for a moment. And all of a sudden, everything changed. And in that moment, God downloaded and installed in me something that I had never, a perspective, a perspective 2.0 in his love that I never had before. That he doesn't just love us, but that he loves to love us. That he finds no greater pleasure, no greater joy than to love on us. And that was something that all of a sudden I got. That was something that all of a sudden I understood, something that I was able to trust. This is a picture of my husband skiing. He loves to ski. <laughs> he 
He goes to great lengths to ski, to get the best powder that one can find. He will spend lots of money, get up really early, suffer a lot of things to ski. This is him, probably after a long ski tour, doing something. <laughs> You've never heard of the screaming burpees, but uh, <laughs> that's when your toes are so frozen and they start to thaw and you just want to die, you're in so much pain. So these are the kind of things he'll go through just to get that untracked pound. He loves to rock climb. He will travel far and wide. He will scrub cliffs, bolt cliffs, throw himself at cliffs just for that experience of rock climbing. He loves to rock climb. Wrapped up in his, he will sit in a harness for hours, which I'm telling you is not particularly comfortable because he loves to rock climb. And those are just sports. That's just something that you love to do. Think about right now about somebody that you love, about a person that you love or some people that you love. Think about maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your grandkids, probably your grandkids. Maybe it's your niece or your nephew. Man, when my sister, I don't have kids, but when my sister told me she was pregnant, I loved that child from that moment. From that moment, I was ready to do whatever it took so I can love on that child and make sure that that child was gonna have the best possible life. I was ready to make sacrifices. I was ready to take chances. I was ready to spend money. I was ready to travel, whatever it took, because I knew there was no greater joy or pleasure than to love on that child. It wasn't even my own and it hadn't even been born. But right, I knew that that was going to be my greatest joy. Maybe it's your BFF, maybe it's your partner. I think about when Jared and I started dating and when you just fall in love with that person, that person you just adore, there is nothing you wouldn't do. To what end would you go to love on that person? You know what an end. You would die for that person. You would die for that little one and it would be your pleasure to do so. We had a bear in our backyard yesterday morning and the morning before that. And Jared and I both run outside just trying to scare it because we want to teach it to not come on our lawn. <laughs> and Jared thought, he asked me, he goes, um, next time we go out and uh, you know try to scare the bear away, maybe we should ask ourselves if it has cubs. Because that kind of changes things, because that, ba that bear has cubs. That mama's not going to be scared of anything, and we better watch ourselves. Right. To what end? What if someone tried to stop you from loving that person that you just love to love? Hilarious, right? Someone tried to stop me from loving Jer. Someone tried to stop me from loving my niece or my nephew. It's laughable. But what if they were having a really bad day? What if they totally messed up? What if they just screwed up? What if things were just getting ugly in their life? Would it stop you then? Would it be any less of a pleasure or a joy to lift them out of their pit, to bless them, to tell them that they are loved and that you've got their back, to do everything it could, with everything that it takes to 
see them thrive. And the truth is, as God was just downloading and installing this Perspective 2.0, he helped me see that even our greatest love is still just an echo, just a whisper, just a shadow and an image in comparison to his for us, in comparison to his joy and his pleasure and how much he loves to love us, loves to love us. Try to stop him. It is his greatest joy to provide for us, to give us hope, to show us mercy, absolute forgiveness, peace, joy, grace, whatever it is that we are crying for, hungry for, in need of, he is just dying to give it to us. In fact, he did die to give it to us. So today really is about receiving. It's really about receiving. I love this painting. It's Rembrandt's rendering of the return of the prodigal son. You could read about that story that Jesus tells in Luke 15. And this is one of my favorite verses. This is, in fact, what the father says to the other son, not the prodigal son. But regardless, it is God's message to you and to me. It says, my child, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. Many of us here today, many of you watching online, have most likely asked Jesus to be your Savior. Ask God to be your Lord. But I think God would like to ask each of us today, would you be my daughter? Would you be my son? Would you be my child? Will you say yes to that? When Jesus, before he started his ministry, Jesus was baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. And as he rose out of the water, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove rested upon him. At the same time, the Father's voice was heard and said, This is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. As we know, Jesus came to earth to simply be an example, many reasons, but one of, to be an example, to show us the way, to show us who we are in him to the Father. Jesus is the first of many brethren. He is our brother. And the Father would say to each of us, this is my son, this is my daughter. You are my son, you are my daughter, in whom I am well pleased. You are my beloved. Galatians 4, 4 to 7 says, we have all received adoption to sonship and the spirit of Jesus in our hearts who calls out Abba Father, Abba, a Greek word to demonstrate the most intimate of names you can call God, Daddy, Papa. This is just a little picture about how it makes me feel now that I have this perspective 2.0. We all have enemies in our lives. For me, one of my enemies, my unwanted companion in life has been anxiety. Maybe for you it's been depression. Maybe it's been somebody or something. Anxiety 
if MO is simply to tell me that things are too dangerous, that they are too likely to occur poorly, and that I will not be able to cope, that I will not be strong enough to withstand the storm. That's what anxiety whispers into your ear. With my perspective 2.0, recognizing now that I am not only a child of God, but that I know how to really receive and walk in that love, in the enemy's camp, I am the storm. And you are the storm. Because perfect love casts out all fear. And I'm not talking about that kind of fear that you get in your gut. There's a book out called um, The Gift of Fear. I'm not talking about that, that gut feeling you get that's built into us, that's there to protect us, to say, run, there's danger, there's an imminent threat. And I just want to put that out there because a lot of us have been raised culturally or in our family to be nice and polite. And I'm not talking about ignoring that gut feeling that just might save your life. You listen to that. I'm talking about that consistent worry, that fear, that idea that somehow you're alone in this world. But we know that God's perfect love casts out that lie that causes fear. So at the end of August, I uh, did something here called Father Heart Ministry. Some of you might be aware of it. It's really a week long of just basking in the Father's love and receiving. And Richard Jones is one of the main keynote speakers of that week. And his message was pretty clear. You can only give what you have. You can only give what you have. And you may have a lot of dreams and a lot of desires of wanting to pour out into this world in only the way that you can. And I just want to say that it starts with receiving because you can only give what you have. One of the participants in, in that whole a week um, a particular gentleman who really kept to himself the whole time. A guy who was just sort of really quiet and just removed from the rest of us. But at the end of the week, we all had an opportunity to share. To share what that week meant to us. And he got up and he said, I was having a conversation with God about how impressive Richard is. How impressive he is and all that he's able to do and all that he's accomplished. We all want to be like Richard. And this participant said that God just said right to him, he goes, Richard is like that because he knows how to receive. Because he knows how to receive. <clears throat> Receiving is our starting place. That is the very first thing that any child does. When a child is born, the first thing they do is they receive. And what comes to our Father God, that is the first thing and that is the last thing. That is what it's all about. So no sermon would be complete without three points. I think this is the first time I'm doing a three-point sermon here. I just want to lay a bit of a foundation for being able to step and walk into that realm of fully receiving. Receiving in that, from that perspective, from that enhanced perspective that you are not just loved, but that he loves to love you. So I just want to talk about knowing this, connecting from this perspective, and participating in this way. So knowing that he loves to love us is so, so super important. So Brandt was another leader of Father Heart Ministries. 
And one of his primary messages was such, that all problem behavior comes from not knowing how loved you are. All problem behavior comes from not knowing how loved you are. So I'm a psych major, and I'm just in the process of completing a Master's of Arts in Counseling Psychology. And as I heard him say this, I just started going through all of my files, all the things I've read, all the courses I've taken, all the theories I'm familiar with, and I thought, hmm, yeah, that's pretty good. That about sums it up. All problem behavior comes from not knowing how loved you are. That captures pretty well a lot of that internal conflict, a lot of the internal challenges that we face. I think it also captures a lot of the external ones too. And so it reminded me of this other message given to me by one of my social psychology profs many, many years ago as I was in my second year of my undergraduate degree. And she simply said this, she said, all conflict is essentially competition over resources. All conflict is essentially competition over resources. I thought, imagine a world where every individual absolutely knew how loved they are. I don't want to oversimplify things here or anything, but that's just like the answer to world peace. Think of all of the antagonists, all those who have caused war and suffering and pain on a national level, all the way down into our own families and our own lives. If we all just knew how very loved we were and were able to walk in that and recognize where our help comes from, where our provision comes from, that we don't need to go kill, steal, and destroy from our fellow brother and sister because we know that God has got us. Okay, so how do we know? How do we know that God loves to love us? He doesn't just love us, but he like gets great pleasure out of it. In this, God took me right back to the beginning. Right back to the beginning in the creation story, Genesis 1. And I was just going through that account of, of the creation of the universe. And all of a sudden, I was looking at God, you know, creating the, the universe, the stars, the moon, the sun, the earth, the land, the water, the sky, the creatures. And I realized, this is God nesting. This is God nesting. This is God getting the nursery ready, getting things perfect for the crown of his creation. And, you know, whether this process took hundreds and hundreds of millions of years, 4.65 billion years ago, or five literal 24-hour periods before then on the sixth day he created man and then rested on the seventh, if he took hundreds and hundreds of millions of years and all of that time to perfectly get everything set just right for his babies, for his children that were coming, well, I'll tell you, I feel pretty darn loved. So he creates this stage, he gets the nursery just perfect, this amazing earth just perfect for his offspring. And then he says, okay, let's make them in our image, an extension of who we are. God, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, together then create man in his image, his offspring, an extension of himself. And then he says, I give you every 
here you are, and I give it all to you. Every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they'll be yours for food. And to everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. Here you are, and it's all yours. I don't know if you guys have heard this math. It's out on the social media right now, but I guess the mathematicians had a little time on their hands, and they endeavored to figure out what the odds are of you, you specifically, existing. Thanks, thanks, what's that? What are the odds of you, your unique self in this time and space, right now, existing? Considering all odds, all barriers, all things that could have snuffed that possibility out, what are the odds? At the conclusion, give or take one or two, I'd imagine, is one in 400 trillion. 400 trillion. Those are the odds of you existing. I don't think you're a coincidence. I don't think you're a chance. I think you are chosen. You are intricately chosen, meticulously chosen. There's this beautiful letter called the Father's Love Letter, available, you can read it online, a compilation of many verses in the Bible that point to his undying love and adoration for us. So I've taken a few of them and I've put them together here. I'm going to read them to you today. I chose you when I planned creation. I know everything about you, for you were made in my image. You are my offspring. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I determined the exact time and place of your birth. I brought you forth on the day you were born, and it is my desire to lavish love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. My plan for your future is filled with hope. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. You are my treasured possession. I want to show you great and marvelous things. Come home. Come home. If you're watching this today or if you're here today, and you've yet to come home. The Father is inviting you to come home, and he will throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. Amen. Yeah. Jesus says, as recorded in John 14, 2, in my Father's house are many mansions. That's the King James Version. Some versions say, in my Father's house are many rooms. In my Father's house are many mansions. There's one with your name on it. Come home. So how do we know? Well, God so loved the world that he gave his son. He did die for us. And it was his greatest pleasure. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says that it was for the joy set before Jesus that he endured the cross. The joy set before him, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was this joy? 
This joy was a total and unhindered reconciliation of the father and his children. For far too long, you may be wondering, why am I wearing this dress? <laughs> why am I wearing I've had this dress in my closet for many years. And I don't wear it out in public. Because for far too long, this symbol, this symbol has been one to some, to many, unfortunately, a misrepresentation. It is one associated with judgment, a condemnation, or discrimination. Now for any of you who know the Father and know what Jesus has done, you know what this represents. You know this is a symbol of freedom, of an unhindered bridge between us and the Father and between each other, and the center of it is love. And so my hope my desire is that one day this symbol will be to all that representation. Because the Father is calling all of creation. The Father is calling all of creation. You hear it in the messages in the churches throughout the world today. And it's not just going to be limited to the four walls of a church. He's calling all of his children to him. Every race, every religion... Every sexual orientation, every gender identity, every marital status, every culture, everyone. Because that is the extent and the power of the cross. So, I just want to give us a chance to connect with the Father from this upgraded perspective. From this perspective 2.0. James Jordan, in a book called Sonship, which is um, informs a lot of the Father Heart Ministries, again, that one-week conference that I did here at the end of August, says this. Christianity is infinitely more than the conceptual knowledge that God loves you. Even the devil knows that God is love and loves you. It's the actual experience of being loved by him every minute of every day. The whole of Christian life is focused on one thing to find his presence and stay there, to live with the conscious reality of his presence in and with you. So I just want to give us a chance to connect with the Father from this perspective in your own unique way. <clears throat> I mean, in general, we, all, we are all so unique, and we all connect with the Father in our own unique way. I know even between me and my husband, we do that so differently. Whatever it may look like, though, I just want to encourage you to turn your face, your heart, your mind, and your attention to him from that perspective of knowing that he loves to love you. Maybe it looks just like resting or talking with him, sharing with him, marveling with him, listening, praying, singing. Maybe it's in the space of nature or when you're indulging in music or art, meditation or yoga or walking or coming to church. Gardening, cooking, it could be anything. Everything and anything is an opportunity to connect with the Father. And I just want to connect or encourage you to do so from that perspective that he loves to love you. It opens up our hearts to be able to receive so much more. So right here, right now, in this space, 
just want to give you a moment to think about something that's very central for you right now. We all have needs, hopes, desperations, wants. What's on your mind and on your heart right now? What's something you're a little concerned about or you could use some hope in? And in this moment, in this space, just take a moment to look to God to it, to have a little conversation with God, to see what he might say, and maybe start off with this. Thank you, Father, that you love to love me so much and that it brings you so much pleasure and so much joy to love on me and my loved ones and to see us flourish. And now just consider what the Father might say to you. Consider what wonder might bring to you. Consider the possibilities, what God might have in store, what he could do what he desires to do. And the fact is, is that he is there for you. And there's nothing that you could ever do to change that. Participating. So I am a huge fan of positive psychology. Positive psychology um, developed by man by the name of Martin Seligman, is so well researched. It's just grounded in good quality science. And it doesn't focus so much on what causes us problems. It focuses on what allows us to thrive, on what helps us to flourish. And he has determined, I guess we have six pillars, six pillars now, with the acronym PERMA-V. That stands for positive emotion, engagement, positive relationships, meaning, accomplishment, and vitality. A is for accomplishment. The Father, he is ready to do it all for you. Just recently, again, I had to make a really big decision in my life. For weeks, he was leading me towards a certain decision. For weeks, he was putting it on my heart, giving me courage, opening the doors, having things fall into place. He was doing it all. But there was one thing. There was one little thing that he was inviting me to do as a part of this. And it was the one thing that I really didn't want to do. It was the one thing that scared me the most. It was one thing I thought, okay, I'll kind of do it, but if maybe if you can just sort of like do this part and set it up for me, and then I'll just like walk through, I'll just fall through the door. And he's like, ah, I'm not going to take this from you, Tamara. In the same way that we just instinctually know that we would be robbing a child from the opportunity to struggle a little on their own and learn to crawl to struggle a little on their own and have the opportunity to take that first step all on their own, of which we know then at that point all celebration breaks loose. The baby goes crazy, the parents go crazy, people are calling people, you missed it, you missed it. 
We would never rob our child of the opportunity to take that first step all on their own. We know it lays the foundation for confidence, for self-assurance, for competence. It lays the foundation for them to then start to walk. And when you can walk, then you can run. And when you can run, that's when you get to start really playing. And God just wants us to play. We're his children, and he loves to see his children play. And so if the Lord is giving you an opportunity to take that first step, he's got your back. He's there by your side, and he has gone before you. But he's not going to rob you of the opportunity to have a sense of accomplishment and to feel accomplished. So the thing that he was calling me to do, or inviting me to do, was I had to break some news to somebody. And I had a pretty good feeling that they were going to be a little upset about it. So it wasn't my husband. I had his full support. And I was really scared because I don't like disappointing people. I have a really hard time with people not really liking me. And God knew this is exactly where he wanted me to grow. Because where he's taking me and maybe where he's taking you, you might need to have a little bit of resilience. He might want to make you a warrior in a garden instead of a gardener in a war. Okay. So I thought, well, I'm going to take this step. I'm going to do it. But God, you've got me. Maybe I'll be met with such grace and understanding, and it'll be great. Because after all, you're leading me in this process, so it's going to turn out awesome. So I go in, and I, I gently and respectfully and taking full accountability just broke the news. And as predicted, it was not met with much appreciation. And that sucked in the moment. But I went home that night, and I realized something. That's still not going to stop God from doing what he needs to do in my life. And that I could handle that. And all of a sudden, I felt strong. And I felt like, okay, well, where you're calling me, I'm going to have to get used to maybe 50% of the people not liking me or not agreeing with what I have to say. And I think I could do it. And I'm like, okay, I got this. A is for accomplishment. This is Tommy Caldwell. He's a very, very well-known, very famous in the rock climbing community. And this is him on top of something called the Dawn Wall in Yosemite National Park. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy. After a six-year endeavor to climb the Dawn Wall. You can look it up on YouTube. They've made a documentary about it. It's incredible. It is essentially a documentary of suffering. Then at the very end, there's this. And God would never, ever rob us of this. And I bet he would never trade one day of those six years of suffering. It meant he couldn't experience and feel this. Because then it's onward and upward. So again, like I say, I'm a psych major. Just finishing up a master's in counseling psych. And um, I'm just going to give you, like, two main pointers, seven years of education wrapped up into just two minutes here. 
It's really not that complicated. You gotta jump through a lot of hoops, pay a lot of tuition, but you guys can get this in just a second. So for those who might really suffer from fear and anxiety, the kind that sabotages your life, the kind that keeps you from living and doing what you want, how you want to live and what you want to do, uh, there's this thing called exposure therapy, which is essentially a very gentle and methodical way of giving you steps towards gradually facing those fears until they no longer are fears. Because with experience and with exposure to these things that terrify us, we realize that it's all just a lie. And that the truth is that you got it and that you'll be okay. So in a nutshell, exposure therapy is this. Do the thing you think you cannot do. Do the thing you think you cannot do. And again, it's, I'm not talking about those things that your gut is saying, run, don't do that. We're talking about the thing that you know God is wanting to bless you with. The thing that you know that if you could do, it opens up doors and a life of flourishing for you. And that you know that fear has no business stopping you. Fear has no business stopping you. Do the thing you think you cannot do. It's a little simplistic, but you might take a little bit of methodical, gentle baby steps in that direction. Or maybe you're the kind of person that likes to just jump right in. You do you. Another one, and it's very similar, and it's more focused on those who are feeling particularly low, hopeless, despairing, depressed. It's called behavioral activation. And again, it's just in this first, it starts with just an assessment of hypothetically what might bring you pleasure. You see, I say hypothetically because if you've ever suffered with depression, then you know that the nature of depression is that you don't believe anything could bring you pleasure. It's a dark, painful place. But working with a counselor, together you decide perhaps what might bring you some sense of joy or pleasure, little things that you can agree to step into and to try and do, and then simply assess how you feel afterwards. It's basically just trying it out and see how you feel afterwards. And again, it's just all part of that idea of participating, of taking that step, despite how you might feel, despite what you might think, and giving yourself the opportunity to do what you know the Lord just wants to bless you with, because A is for accomplishment. Cognitive behavioral therapy is pretty simple. It recognizes the integration and the connection between the things that we do, our behaviors, the things that we think, and the things that we feel. And when you change something in one of those areas, you get change in all the areas. So yes, faithful is him, faithful is our father who calls us, and he will do it. He will do all the things that you can't, and more, so much more. He could do it all, but he loves you too much not to give you an opportunity to participate in some way. So from, again, from the perspective of knowing that God just loves to love you, is there something, is there a step that he might be asking you to take? Somehow that he wants you to participate to bless you, 
to give you the opportunity to experience life more fully. If it feels a little scary, or you don't believe it will lead to anything good, just remember this. He did not part the Red Sea just to leave you in the desert to die. He did not take you out of slavery, part the Red Sea, have you walk through it, lead you out into that place, only to leave you to die. He will bring water from a rock, manna from heaven, streams in the desert, pathways in the wilderness. Because he just loves to love on you, and he loves to give you the opportunity to see him come through and show his faithfulness. Know it in your heart. You know, I recognize that this download and installation of Perspective 2.0 may be more for me than for you. I hope and I pray it has blessed you, but if you need your own unique download and installation, your, your, your own unique upgrade, spend time with the Father. Ask Him where it is that you need that little upgrade so that you can step more fully into that unconditional, undying love that he has for you that is the answer to all your fears. Connect with him from that perspective. Participate with him in the journey and the venture that he has for you. He just loves to love on you. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much that you love to love on us, that nothing could stop you, that you love us to death. And I just pray for each of us in the little things and the big things and everything in between, but we just need to know that fully in our hearts, but we just desire to walk in that so fully we can enjoy that abundant connection with you, the abundant presence that you bring, the abundant life that you desire for each of us. Help us to tap into that storehouse that's just bursting at the seams with your gifts. Father, I pray for each and every person here that any little worry or concern or need or hope or desire, the Lord, it will start with an intimate connection with you and a receiving of you and your love more than ever. Fill us up so full that we are simply gushing out. And from there, may your kingdom come. May your house be filled with your children.